On the first day of the week, at early dawn, the women who had come with Jesus from Galilee went to the tomb, taking the spices which they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? Remember how he told you, while he was still in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and on the third day rise. And they remembered his words. And returning from the tomb, they told all this to the eleven and to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary the mother of James and the other women with them who told this to the apostles. This is the Gospel of the Lord. My brothers and sisters, alleluia. Christ is risen. The Lord is risen indeed. Alleluia. You may be seated. Three days, two words, and one question. Three days, two words, and one question. This morning as we celebrate the Feast of the Resurrection, and as you listen to me tell again the story of Jesus Christ, I would ask that you hold in your hearts and minds, really now and evermore, three days, two words, and one question. First, the three days. You see, ultimately... Ultimately, Christianity boils down to three days. And these are the events of Good Friday, Holy Saturday, and Easter Sunday. The first day, Good Friday, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, died on the hardwood of the cross. But he didn't just die on the cross. You see, throughout human history, thousands of people have been crucified on a cross for many different reasons. But the claim of Christians is that Jesus died the death that you and I deserve. As the scriptures say, he who knew no sin became sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God. It's an incredible exchange if you think about it. And again, the scriptures testify, the Lord laid upon him the iniquity of us all. And when the scriptures say all, the scriptures mean all. The Christian claim is that Jesus Christ died because you and I killed him. He died because we killed him. That if we ourselves had been there on that Good Friday, we would have done exactly what the Jews, the Romans, and even his closest followers did. We would in some way have rejected him, abandoned him, and ultimately participated in crucifying him. The second day, Holy Saturday, Jesus, as the creed says, descended to the dead. There in the place of the departed spirits, Jesus preached the gospel to every soul that had died before him. From, think about it, Adam all the way up to John the baptizer who had been recently beheaded, as we know from the scriptures. Jesus preached something like, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. And included in that message surely would have been, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. No more at hand could it have been than Jesus Christ himself preaching the gospel to all of the departed souls. 
And all who received the good news of his saving grace rose up out of the eternal hell that they were in, apart from the presence of God, and they entered into his glory, rising from death to life. One of the most compelling passages in, in all of Scripture testifies to this. I invite you, when you go home today, to read it. Matthew chapter 7, verses 51 to 53. And don't worry, this sermon will be on our website, so you can listen again and go back and find these passages. But these scriptures testify to this. They say that when Jesus was crucified, think about this, the curtain that was in the temple in Jerusalem, it was torn in two. The earth shook, the rocks split, and the tombs were opened. And it goes on to say this incredible thing. Many bodies of the saints who had died were raised, and coming out of the tombs after his resurrection, they went into the holy city, and they appeared to many. I don't know about you, and I love all of Scripture, but this one just rips me apart. Oh, hey, Noah. <laughs> Moses, King David, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Rahab, Esther. T tell me, Daniel, what, what was it like to be in that lion's den? Can you imagine? Can you imagine what that must have been? And that's either a ridiculous lie or it's the truth of human history. An unfathomable foretaste of heaven found in the communion of saints as Jesus began to raise them from the dead. And now day three, the resurrection of the Son of God. Where first he appeared to the women who had taken the spices to the tomb. Then, as St. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians, he appeared to Peter and to the rest of the twelve. And he appeared, as Paul testifies, to more than 500 people at one time. Most of whom at that time, Paul writes, were still alive, although some had gone on to glory. These, my friends, are the historical facts. They are the foundations of the Christian faith. For having faith in Jesus Christ is not now, never has been, never will be, to check your brain at the door, but it is to examine the evidence of human history. It is to observe that the first apostles gave their lives for this, and it is to conclude that reason affords us no other option. Jesus Christ is alive. He is risen from the dead. Crucified on Good Friday, preaching to the dead on Holy Saturday, and appearing to over 500 people in the days following his resurrection. What more evidence could you possibly need? The martyrdom of the apostles? More evidence. How about the witness of millions of saints throughout the ages? More evidence. And they are all bearing witness that Christ is alive. And so these three days, these critical, factual, miraculous days of human history, they've changed everything. And they drive us to consider the implications of what this must mean. The answer is found in two words. Two words. Two words that consistently accompany the preaching of this good news of the gospel. These two words are repent and be baptized. Repent and be baptized. Repent and be baptized. 
or as it is more fully expressed in Acts chapter 2, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and for the forgiveness of your sins. And the scriptures go on to say that when, when you do these things, right, an act of the will, a response to the gospel, when you do these things, you too will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit who is promised to you and to your children and to everyone, to everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord. And it concludes, this is how you will be saved from this wicked and crooked generation, by repenting and being baptized. But of course these words are, are hollow without the fullness of the substance around them. And so we have a testimony from the Apostle Paul. Here is what it means to live an unrepentant life. Here is what it means, as he says, to live according to the flesh. The acts of the flesh, he says, are obvious. They are sexual immorality. They are impurity. They are debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft. They include hatred and discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambitions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. And this is not meant to be an exhaustive list. This is just an example of what it means to live an unrepentant life. And he concludes, I warn you, as I have warned you before, that those who live like this will not enter the kingdom of heaven. There's no mealy-mouthed, wishy-washy words or ways about it, friends. In other words, in spite of the three days that Jesus Christ died on the cross to forgive our sins, in spite of the fact that he was raised from death to life, a person would rather live a hellish life and spend eternity there apart from the God who loves you and gave his life to offer redemption to you. That's what you'd rather do. That's how you'd rather live. When the remedy is right there in front of you all along. Repent and be baptized. Every one of you. Save yourselves from this wicked and perverse generation. Say no more to the things that are killing your soul. And allow the grace of Jesus Christ to wash over you in baptism. And the Holy Spirit to fill you. And see if this sounds like things that we all crave in our soul. Allow the Holy Spirit to fill you with righteousness and peace and joy. And so we move on. Because this is exactly what's happening this morning. Emma Rogers is being baptized. Because Christian baptism is the giving of the Holy Spirit, we are giving her the Holy Spirit as soon as we possibly can. Even as a baby. And on her behalf, her parents and sponsors will take vows for her to reject the deathly things of the world, the flesh, and the devil, and to wholeheartedly embrace the things of God. So that when she herself is able, she will accept these things for herself at her confirmation. And in her, as with every baptized Christian, the hope of heaven. Remember the story about the saints? The hope of heaven is being deposited and it's not that she just grabs her golden ticket and then gets to do whatever she wants. But as I have just proclaimed in the words of St. Paul, and as we read in the scriptures this morning, by virtue of her baptism, Emma is dying to the desires of the flesh. And she is being raised with Christ, as we read, so that her knife is now hid with Christ. 
He covers her. He protects her. He guides her. He guards her. He ushers her from this transitory life into glory. And brothers and sisters, if you'll dream with me for just a minute about the implications of this truth, we can begin to see what Emma's life might look like. How she will grow in her Christian life and living by her parents' help and all of us who agree so that wherever she is and whatever she says and whatever she does, everyone at all times should be able to look at Emma Rogers and say, that one belongs to Jesus. That one belongs to Jesus. And as it will be true for Emma, guess who else it's true for? Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord, who repents and is baptized and is changed from glory into glory. That I can observe her life and tell that she is bound for heaven. That I want to get on the train with her because something is transcendently attractive about her. As that's true for Emma, so it should be true for all of us who understand what the three days are all about, what the two words really mean by their substance. And therefore, let me close with the questions. Question. Now that you know, now that you know, now that you know, what will you do? Now that you know, what will you do? That's the call of the gospel. Now that you know, what will you do? Jesus Christ is alive. This is the fact of human history that produces faith in the human heart. A faith that causes Christians to declare in agreement with the words of St. Paul. My friends, we are more than conquerors. Maybe we could say that together. We are more than conquerors. That's your identity in Christ. One more time. We are more than conquerors. That's who we are in Christ. So that if we want to see, for example, our government act with more Christian virtue, then we who are Christians must act within our government. And if we want to see our educational system allow God back into our schools, then we Christians must be the ones who open the doors. And if we want to see our businesses and our culture behave with more principled ethics, then every morning when we get up, we've got to stare into that mirror and decide that we who are more than conquerors are going to be the ones who do it. You see, we Christians have this crazy, crazy vision that compels us every single day that God's kingdom is actually coming. It's going to show up. And that God's will is actually being fulfilled and it's going to be done. And let me just say that by the work and witness of the saints here at Christ the Redeemer, it's happening. That we obey the great commission and the great command. We are committed to those God-driven principles. That we are a church that is participating in planting churches as we've already planted one in Waco and we're considering behind the scenes, where is God calling us to next? That we are inviting people in, raising them up and sending them out locally, regionally, and internationally with missionaries in Cambodia and one of our missionaries who travels from country to country declaring that Jesus is alive. That he's alive because we are more than conquerors in Christ. That's what we do. 
because that's who we are. Three days, two words, and one question. These three days are the Christian message. These two words are the Christian action. And now that you know, huh, I think we all know what to do.